Well, Bill said a couple of things this morning that um, um, I have to smile at myself since I know my message. And, uh, the first one was that, uh, thank you, Anastasia, you just made me lose my thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them, the last thing in prayer is that the, that, that the message in Sunday school and here would warm our hearts. And so... Um, it's going to be interesting to see how God does that this okay. morning. <laughs> I mean, mine's been warmed, but uh, I'm also warning you. It's, a, it's not necessarily a warming message. Um, and the other thing Bill said this morning was, no circumstance of yours falls outside the rule and reign of God. That's a really important thing to remember uh, as we study today's subject. Um <clears throat> I guess it was three weeks ago I began to introduce the subject of wisdom. Something I'm talking about more than that I demonstrate, but that's kind of how it starts. Um, and what, one of the things that I mentioned was that two, two things that we need um, to live life as a believer is wisdom and grace. And as I've thought about it, there's another thing that has to go along with that, and that's this thing called humility um, because um, God resists the proud but gives grace to who? To the humble. Uh, you're never going to gain wisdom if you're not teachable. So um, we looked at uh, defining wisdom for one thing and, and there are lots of definitions. Um, th- these were three that I gave. Wisdom is the ability to see reality clearly and know how to respond. Uh, wisdom is um, insight into the ways and, and how to deal with problems. And the one that I liked the most was it's a capacity that allows us to understand life from God's perspective. And that is probably the most difficult thing to do when you're in the midst of um, difficult situations. We looked at uh, the Bible's uh, command to acquire wisdom. Uh, and we looked at four ways to acquire wisdom. Richard, you okay? Are you thinking that hard or you just don't like what I'm saying? And he's got this frown on his face. I'm like, boy, I've offended him already. Wisdom does that. I don't know if it was me or what. But okay. Deep, deep, deep thought. I figured you was coming up with your next uh, great email for Crossway. You know, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we looked at four ways that we that we can acquire wisdom. And one of those ways was knowing God, uh, knowing ourselves, uh, walking with wise people, and uh, knowing the rules. Are um, and we we really really realized that um, um, you really can't have knowledge, uh, wisdom without knowledge. And so you have to kind of know what is, what is the wise way to walk. We also looked at the rewards of wisdom. And I'm going to read through a part of chapter 3 again because I didn't really go over this that much. But um, chapter 3, um, beginning in the first verse. What wisdom book do you think I'm talking about? <laughs> 
James. It's not James. It's not Ecclesiastes. So what's left? Proverbs. Proverbs. Okay. Sorry about that. See, I'm warming your heart. I hope God's going to warm your heart. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Um, so in this passage, uh, there are things that God says to do, and then there are rewards that come from doing those things. And so I'm going to read through this. Just this is all still review. Um, Proverbs three, chapter one. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments. In your heart. Here's the result. For they will prolong your life many years. And bring you peace and prosperity. Another thing. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What will that get you? Then you will win favor. And a good name in the sight of God and man. Now, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What will that get you? In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Ha! This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. What will that get you? Then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or do not resent his reproof because the Lord reproves those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Now, this is an interesting passage to me because it's talking about the rewards of wisdom. And then all of a sudden we get to verse 11, which seems to be a real departure. Uh, Do this, then you get this, do this and get this. And then it says this. Don't despise my discipline and reproof. Well, those words don't really say a lot about reward to me. Reproof, discipline. Um, rebuke um, doesn't sound too much like a reward but when you really look at it here it says that happens to those he loves and so in the midst of it there's this security in the relationship wow I'm being rebuked God's not indifferent to me he loves me and sometimes I think we miss the point of that and so A part of what I want to talk about today is this other way that I alluded to last time. There's another way to acquiring wisdom, and that is through suffering. Um, And at this point, Anastasia is going to come up and teach us about what? (laughs) Suffering is life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's when it happens, when the heat's turned up for all of us. That's right. So... um, In Ecclesiastes, Solomon makes this statement in Ecclesiastes 17, 23 through 24. Um, He says, I am determined to be wise, but this was beyond me. Whatever exists 
is far off and most profound. Who can discover it? Now, that seems to be all the more truer when things are really hard. It's the hardest place to understand what's going on when things are really hard. And so, um, you know, one of the things we looked at was, well, how do you gain wisdom? Well, you, you, you know, you read the Proverbs. You memorize the Proverbs. If you memorize the Proverbs, then you're wise. Well, it doesn't work that way. It's a place to start, but um, you've got to think about what the Proverbs means, like this one. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Now, you can say that a lot of times, and you've got it memorized, but what does it mean? What does that mean? It's better to go to a funeral than to a ball game. Better to go to, to, to something like that than a place of feasting. What, what, what are they trying to tell us? Um, well, what I get out of it is this. Parties are fun. Uh, it, and we all need to have fun. But a lot of times you don't really think about eternal things at parties. Um, but you go to a funeral and you do. You think about life. Yes, you count your days. Um, you know, one of the things that um, the Lord spoke in Deuteronomy, he's, he was saying this, he said, Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Psalms 90, 11 and 12 says this, Who understands the power of your, who understands the power of God's anger? Who connects this brevity of life among us with your judgment of sin? And your wrath, who connects it with the reverent fear that is due you? So, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto, guess what? Wisdom. So it's the house of mourning. the place of mourning is the place that kind of brings us back to, you know, what life is really about and how important it is to consider our end um, to, you know, to begin with the end in mind, to begin with the fact that there is a day of accountability. There's a day of of uh, that. And um, we need to learn the best way to live successfully, the best way to be. Um, wise and and to see the world from God's perspective and live accordingly to that way. Um, you know, wisdom we also saw last time is not like a door; it's like a path. It's something that takes time to acquire, and um, because it takes time, all of us have an, the opportunity to fail, to experience difficult things. Uh, and to suffer. It's just what life hands us in a fallen world. Um, and so, what do we do with those particular times that are hard? Do we as much as possible go around them, delay them, avoid them as much as possible? Do we just hunker down, put on our football helmet, and just get through it? And then we just move on to the next thing. Or do we take time to reflect, 
And the dreaded word that used to be in Crosswave, I don't know what it is now. It's a debrief. My son always said, Dad, just be brief. (laughs) Just be brief about it. But um, do you consider what you've walked through and why you've walked through it? You know, Um, suffering, it takes many forms. Um, What one one of us might call suffering, another might say, that ain't nothing. But, you know, suffering is it's. It's relative to who you are as a person, and it's relative to what the circumstances are. What may be really, really difficult for me is pressure's a friend for Bill. Uh, he, he likes those kind of places. <laughs> it helps him. Helps you grow, doesn't it? He likes them less now than he used. <laughs> <laughs> He's becoming wiser. <laughs> but, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, you're just getting up there with a status like Greg, you know. We can we can we can pick at you and know that it's all in fun. Um, but suffering comes for lots of reasons, you know. Unfortunately, one of them is that it's self-inflicted. We just choose badly sometimes, don't we? Sometimes the suffering comes because of tragedy. Uh, and sometimes it becomes because of injustice. You know, I mean, I can name some extreme examples. You know, um, cancer. Cancer is no respecter of persons, it doesn't seem like. You know, you can be rich or poor. You can be, it doesn't matter what race you are. It, it will find people. And uh, that's a hard one sometimes. Some people, some people are healed. Other people are not. Um, sickness, long-term sickness, disease, um, being trapped in, 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 in labor or sex trafficking. Uh, these, these, are, these are not easy things. Uh, I'm, I, I re- reminded too of this, I think the guy's name is Jared Wilson. He's a 30-year-old pastor at um, Harvest Church that um, killed himself, suicide. Uh, and he did it on World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, I mean, you're, I mean, this is this guy is a pastor under Greg Laurie, and um, he left his wife, two small children, and you're you're thinking, what what did that man suffer that would bring him to that kind of place? And see that kind of act, that kind of response to suffering, brings suffering to somebody else. Um, Hurricane Dorian. You know, I when when I saw the pictures of the Bahamas, because I've, I've been around that stuff, the logistics of fixing something like that just—I mean, my heart sunk. I mean, those people—they they didn't have water, they didn't have shelter, and it's not like there was going to store was going to open a couple days. You couldn't land a, a plane. You couldn't get a ship docked. The only way they could get things in was by helicopter. Those people down there are suffering. And they will continue to suffer. And so the thing about suffering is that, especially for a believer, when all circumstances are under God's rule. I mean, if you believe in the sovereignty of God and you see something like that, you have to kind of just scratch your head. Now, okay, could have been a hurricane. Uh, it could have come through at faster than one mile an hour. It could have not stayed there for a day and a half. 
Why? 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 Why that particular area? And so you look at things like that, and you think it's just really hard to uh, kind of connect the dots with it. And so um, for us as a believer, we look at it, we shake our head, and we just kind of move on with life. You know, maybe we send money, maybe we pray, but we move on with life. But if you're in the middle of it, if that is happening to you or to me, um, you can't shake your head and just move on. You've got to deal with that, that particular thing. And I think for for us as believers, uh, it's very hard to understand um, and, and trust in God's goodness and His sovereignty in that particular kind of place. That really comes into question, I think, with a lot of people. And we forget the Lord has purposes that we don't understand. Um, so I want to I look at four examples of things that you can just kind of tuck in your back pocket and hopefully remember them when and if you find yourself in one of those kind of places where I really don't know why this is happening and I don't understand it and I don't know why God's letting this go on and on and on like this. Um, Job said this. Now, this is in, in chapter 28, so his story's been going on for a while. I mean, it's like, I don't remember, 50 chapters? There's a bunch of chapters in that book. But in chapter 28, he's, he says this, But where can wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value. And if you're searching for wisdom and you're not finding any, it's real valuable if you can find it. And he goes through the next six verses and compares silver and gold and all this stuff and how it's, it's nothing compared to the value of wisdom when you're in that kind of place. And then he says this, where does wisdom come from and where is the place of understanding? And then the next seven verses, he talks about it just being hidden. And he says in one of them, God understands its way and he knows its place. And to man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. So I think today I want to just look at four examples in the Bible of possible ways to respond to suffering um, and how the in the midst of those things, you may not have understanding, but how when you get to the other side of it, there's wisdom to be gained. Um, I'm sure you've become wiser having walked through the heat of the day. There are things that you... And, and I can turn to you and say, would you do with it? Would you trade it and have done something else? And you would say, absolutely not. And most people that go through something and find God eventually say the same thing. And so... Suffering is not something that we pray for, but we try to learn how to endure it with faith. And that's what it takes to get through those particular kind of times. So I'm going to look at four examples in the Bible. And I want to start with the first one is is Job. Most of you know Job's life. Um, an upright man, good in, good in, in the eyes of the Lord and... Um, one that was uh, God picked out and said, have you considered Job? Um, 
So I don't know that I ever want him to say that about me. <laughs> but Job's life, you think about Job's life. I mean, he, you know, he, he behaved uprightly. And yet these things begin to happen to him. You know, all his cattle gets stolen. And then his sheep and his, and his shepherds are burned. Uh, and then after that, his children are killed. Now, okay, he had ten. I mean, it'd be bad if two or three of them were killed. But it wasn't just two or three. It was all of them. It was all his kids. I mean, I can't think of an example to even compare with that, really. But you know, I don't know if you've ever had anything that's gotten broken. But if it's something special, in number of cars. <laughs> but just think if all your cars were broken at the same time, or your grandmother's crystal glass set. And one of them's broken. But no, they're all broken. And you can't replace them. That's, that's a bad example compared to kids. But, <laughs> but you think about it. I mean, it could have just been one. No, it's every, all of them. All of his kids. You know, so bad co- things come in threes is the old saying. But not with Job. It was four, you know. Let's just attack his body. It's not bad enough that all this has happened. Um, let's just torment him as well. This is the place he finds himself. Now, Job uh, responded before before he himself was attacked. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, most people would curse at this time, but not Job. You think, okay, he's passed. No, another thing comes on the man. And, and so he endures the wisdom of his um, friends, which truly are, you know, are truly our friends in a way. I mean, I don't know that any of y'all would sit with me for seven days and not say anything. I just, we, we just don't have that kind of time. But what about this story? Is it that we can take that we can learn from him? Job realized after after God asked him seventy questions and he couldn't answer any of them that hey this guy's really bigger and smarter than me, and he came to really see who he was, to see him, um, and I think that's a part of what suffering does. You will connect with some dimension of God that you've never quite been able to see or engage. This is who he is. And so, you know, it ends up, it says, I've heard about you, but now I see you. Now I really know that you are as majestic as you, I thought you were, and you're much, much wiser than I knew you were. And so, I think if you can go into places of suffering with this kind of belief that your life is a very small part of what God's doing. He has a much grander plan than any of us realize. And we're a part of that. And that's a hard perspective to, to keep 
when you're in the middle of a place that's really difficult. So what's our response? If that's our belief, then what's our response in those kind of places? You've got to trust the character of God. Trusting the character of God. Be like Job, be like the three Hebrews. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It's a place of trust. Because you don't understand what's going on. And, and so I would just encourage us to remember, we're just one little piece in a big, big story. Um, the second thing, the second person I want to look at is Jacob. Uh, everybody knows this story as well. Um, you know, he had some dreams, he visions from God, and he didn't know how to keep his mouth shut. And so his, his brothers didn't like it. They didn't like it anymore because his dad kept him as a favorite. And so, did I say Jacob? I meant Joseph. Uh, anyway, so um, he got sold into slavery. So he's, he, here he is, a slave. Um, but he makes the best of it. You know, he still tries to stay faithful. He does a good job at his job. And then, you know, he's accused of sexual harassment, gets thrown in jail, um, still has an attitude of, I'm just going to do what's right. I'm going to do the right thing. Um, you know, and all these things that happened to him, you know, led to finally him becoming the second in command of the Pharaoh and, and, and uh, being the one that really saved not only his family and his nation, but also Egypt out of the seven years of famine. And so he learned something out of that, that in the midst of total injustice to him, um, he had this kind of belief going to this. A man makes plans, but the Lord directs his steps. Think about that for him, for David, for all these people that God had spoken things. There was a course set for them, but it didn't go like they thought it was going to. So remember that. You make plans. Things derail your plan. But there's a purpose in it. And sometimes we don't see that particular purpose. And so um, the response that he had after he had gone through this, he realized that God had a plan. Suffering was involved, but the plan was bigger than him. Bigger than his life. And I think sometimes we have to remember that. The, the third one is David. This one is really interesting because um, David for 10 years pretty much ran for his life from Saul. And then he became king. He became king of Judah. Then he became king of all of Israel. And he ruled Israel for 40 years. And then his own son Absalom decides you know what I think it's about time that I became king you know and he began to garner the favor of people and Absalom basically came in and and, and David had to flee for his life he had to leave Jerusalem and flee for his life so David is running for his life again uh, and he comes to this one place in um, uh, he's met by this servant of Mephibosheth, his name is Ziba. And Ziba says, hey, um, 
Mephibosheth has um, gone and he's going to be uh, loyal to Absalom now. And so David says, well, you can have everything that's his. So he gives it to the servant um, who was a false, you know, he was a false servant to Mephibosheth and really did not tell the truth about because Mephibosheth's loyalty had not changed from, you know, from David. And then right after that, he meets um, another one of Saul's relatives, Shimei, Shimei, Shimei. And um, so Shimei is throwing rocks and spitting and cursing at him and accusing him of evil and bloodshed against Saul's family, which if anybody knew the truth, he spared Saul's life. He never harmed anybody in Saul's family. But here, Shimei... Now, now here David is fleeing for his life again. He's got one of Saul's relatives cursing him, running along on the top of the hill, throwing rocks at him. And so one of David's generals say, let me just kill him. Let me just take his head off. David said, no. No, let him be. Maybe, maybe what I'm suffering, the Lord will, will, will pull me out of this whole situation. And so David was patient and remained quiet and didn't rebuke him. He had the authority to just have him killed. David um, was in a, a particular place where, I mean, he just was very patient under abuse. Um, I wish I could say that's true about all of us. I don't know about you guys, but when people are accusing me falsely of something or... Or, you know, you just get verbally abused. Whether Nobody likes to endure that stuff. But David did. And he had the authority to do something about it. And he endured it. And so, he did very much like Jesus did. Who, when being reviled, did not revile in return, but kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. And so... That has to be our belief when we find ourselves in that kind of suffering is God judges righteously. He sees my heart. Uh, He'll see me through this. Um, And so the response is is a very godly response is how do you pray for those that persecute you? I think that's a hard thing to do. But that that is a, a thing that I think we're called to do in those kind of places of suffering. Um... The last one I want to talk about here is um, understanding that God has a way of fulfilling His purposes through physical pain, just through pain. Um, There's a short story that was on one of the podcasts uh, that I listened to for the news in the morning about Obadiah Holmes. Um, and he was a, a Baptist. He was a Baptist, you, you know, of Obadiah. And so um, this man was. This was about mid 1600s, um, and he was accused of heresy. So Obadiah takes his family and he moves from Plymouth to Newport, Rhode Island, 
And there he meets up with two other pastors that are very much a part of the movement for religious freedom. So they go see somebody, and while they're there ministering in this small town of Lynn, these uh, policemen come in and arrest him and carry him back to Boston, where he and those two ministers are um, convicted of heresy, which they, they really were innocent of. Uh, they could either pay a fine or they could get flogged. Somebody volunteered because they didn't have any money to pay for two of them, and they agreed and let them pay. But Obadiah said, no, nobody's paying for, for me, and I'll take the punishment. And so he had to wait in prison for five weeks waiting for his punishment. And then he was punished with 30 lashes, this is in the 1600s. They tied him to a post and, 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 and whipped him 30 times with a three-cord lash. And people came out to watch. But it was such an, uh, an outcry against the savagery of it that it actually um, helped promote religious liberty. Uh, and so it's just one of those stories where at the end of the... the, the um, Whipping, he made this particular comment. He said, you have struck me as with roses. I don't know that I could say that, but he did. <laughs> and I mean, the man was kind of like Stephen, you know. It's like he saw the glory of the Lord, you know, and he just stead, stead, stood, stood steadfast with, with the Lord. And um, it's interesting if, to know the rest of the story is five generations later, his his great 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 grandson became president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, who went on to be the person that really helped not only with religious freedom but freedom from slavery. So there's a great history in that family for what they've done for freedom's sake. But the the person that we have to come and look towards when it comes to Trusting God to fulfill His purposes through pain is, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who actually, if you go through all these stories, suffered all the things that we've talked about. Um, Job lost everything. Jesus gave up everything. You know, was He falsely accused? Absolutely. Was insult hurled at him absolutely did he endure the cross he did he did all these things um, because he understood the purposes of God he is wisdom and so he went through it with a perspective that um, you know sometimes is difficult for you and I to hold on to when we're in the midst of those hard places. But I just, today, uh, it's, you know, I, I don't know that you any of you are in those those kind of deep places of suffering. So these are things that, by the Lord's grace, if He would help us remember when we get in the midst of it, that um, seeing Him in the midst of tragedy like Job did, um, discerning God's ultimate intentions like Joseph did, um, receiving rebuke and waiting upon the Lord for His His redemption out of that. 
and then trusting God to fulfill his purposes through pain. Um, you know, it's one thing to, to find yourself as an individual or as a group that's suffering or you see suffering in the future for you. Um, I had to turn to this passage as the last one. I think, Julie, it's one that is particularly you're fond of, but I, I am too. And um, it's in Habakkuk. And Habakkuk could not understand why in the world would God use an unrighteous nation like the Chaldeans to discipline a, a people more righteous than them. But he did. He did. And here was Habakkuk's prayer. I'm going to read just parts of it. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. That's a place to stay in when you're about to go into a place of difficulty. I've heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds. Repeat them in our day and in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. He saw the suffering that was ahead for his nation, the discipline for, for their unrighteousness, even though God was going to use someone more unrighteous than them. And his response is this. I heard and my heart pounded. My legs quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. In wrath, remember mercy. And listen to this. Yet, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. He understood that he judges righteously. And so here are the circumstances that he lays out. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. That's pretty bleak. If you want to translate that into today's world, nothing's going right and there's no electricity and there's no food and there's nothing. The land is desolate like the Bahamas and there is no hope. Those are the circumstances. He says, if this was what it comes to, here's what I'm going to do. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. That's an overcomer. And it starts right in here with faith and trust in God. Um, you are almost an overcomer before the suffering comes when we can maintain that kind of vision of who we serve. Uh, and I think we have to remember in the midst of it that our thoughts are not His thoughts and our ways are not His ways. His ways and His thoughts are always higher than ours. And that he is good. God is good. And if you ever let go of that, then the enemy can just come in like a flood. He can. He's committed to you. 
forever, from now to eternity, He holds us in our, in, our, in His hand. Um, that's, that's a hard thing to remember in the midst of pain or injustice or whatever it is you're going through, especially when there's no understanding. So though He slay me, though it feels like I'm going to die if I don't get out of this, I'll trust Him. I'll trust Him to see me through. Um, and if we could kind of maintain that posture inside, maybe not outside, but inside, we will ride on the heights with Him. So I just want today's message is a day to encourage you, put it in your heart, and allow the Holy Spirit to call to remembrance, whether it be momentary light affliction or something that's way longer than you ever expected it to be. Um, there is the God who is sovereign, who sees you where he is, where you are and will see you through it for His purposes and for His glory. Let's pray. Father, it's so easy to, to stand up here and to, and to see these things from a distance. It's another thing to walk before You and with You through them. And, and Lord, I pray for the grace to do that for each one of us. Lord, we don't... We don't pray for this way of, of acquiring wisdom, but Lord, we just ask that we would gain wisdom when it is a part of your plan for us and when you allow it for a greater purpose than we understand. And so, Father, um, take us as we are, lead us, help us walk with you in a way that's pleasing to you and then brings glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.